The following is an exclusive presentation of News Radio KMAN, your home for K State Athletics. It's game time. This is the game on News Radio KMAN. A little bit of breaking news to begin the show. We uh, tweeted out just about 10-15 uh, minutes ago from John Rothstein that we know the matchups for the Big East Big 12 battle that'll begin this upcoming season. And I gotta say, these matchups are more exciting than what we've had, I would say, for the last few years in the Big 12 SEC Challenge. Especially if we look at the top games, the top marquee games. Kansas will be hosting UConn. I mean, it seems like every year we are getting KU Kentucky or KU Tennessee. I think this one's more intriguing. Texas is visiting Marquette. So that'll be an interesting game for Shaka Smart. Houston and, and Xavier. Of course, Houston joining the Big 12 next year. What else do we have? Creighton is uh, going to be visiting Oklahoma State. Uh, let's see, does anything else that really stand out to me? Oh, yeah, Kansas State will be hosting its game against the Villanova Wildcats. On paper, like if you put the names next to each other as a K-State fan, yeah, it's an interesting matchup. Was Villanova great last year? Not really. They, were, they, they weren't what we're used to with Villanova. They were 17-17. and 17. But let's also bear in mind it was a first season without Jay Wright as their head coach. Well, true. True. Yes, it was not Villanova that went to back to I should say two out of three years won the mm-hmm. national championship mm-hmm. not too long ago. Right. Yes, of course. It is a different Villanova team. But it's still very interesting. And I'm glad that K State didn't end up with Marquette because I could have I think you could have seen it going in that direction. But uh didn't, of course, want to see Marquette because K-State has played them a couple of times in the last oh, few years. What, twice in the last, what, five years or something like that, back-to-back years. Played Marquette here and then played them up in Milwaukee, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, didn't want to see them again. Didn't want to see them again. This is a very fresh matchup. Fresh as in there's only been one meeting all time. That's amazing. Between K-State and Villanova. And Villanova did win that game. Boo. It was in Philly. The final score is 51-34. All the way back in 1940 was the only meeting between the two. Pre-World War II. How did teams get around back then? Was it bus everywhere? Uh, Bus, train, predominantly. Yeah, Mm -hmm. train. God, taking a train or a bus to Philly from Manhattan, Kansas? (laughs) Brutal. That is a brutal trip. I've done a bus from uh, from Manhattan to Detroit, oh, and that took forever. Horrible. Oh. Long bus trips, I'm over it. Lincoln to Louisville. Boy, talk about nothing to see on your way there. Pretty much. <laughs> I mean, other than the Gateway Arch at some point, but beyond that, yeah. And we rolled in at midnight. It's Wednesday. 
And you know what that means. First of all, would I welcome us to the game? Yeah, welcome to the game. Mitch Fortner, Troy Coverdale, Travion Berklin is with us today. And our phone number is 537-1350. It is Wednesday, and you know what that means. AEW Dynamite tonight from just next to Belmont Park, Long Island, New York. It is MJF Day. Now, I say that as, you know, that's the world champion, guys. He represents the world as the champion of wrestling. It is literally... MJF Day. He received a key to the city yesterday, and now we celebrate it today. Plus, three title matchups. Tony Khan, the owner, the chairman of AEW, says he has a big announcement to make, and it's probably the biggest announcement he has made since AEW began. So that's kind of interesting. Plus, I got to say, I've already canceled my Peacock subscri- subscription. I, I'm there's, done. There's a there's a joke there with Endeavor that I was going to go with, but S- somebody dropped this line uh, this past weekend at baseball. So did you cheat on AEW? <laughs> I did. I did watch WrestleMania. Vince McMahon ends up selling his fifty one percent of his stock to Endeavor, which is the company that owns UFC. They run UFC, and now they're going to be the owner of the WWE. Well, Vince McMahon is back in the saddle. and With his weird mustache. And, oh, my God, he looks ridiculous. He has Vince McMahon has dyed his hair and his mustache. First of all, Vince has never had a mustache. He has never had a beard. He has never shown up on TV with facial hair. And he's sporting this, you know, this thin mustache that was also dyed and he reminded me of did you see that movie with tom hanks when he played walt disney yes he looks like tom hanks when he played walt disney except way worse he does look like the father from adam's family i i I, oh that's a good one i i thought he looked like a i thought he looked like a black and white movie lothario like he was one of the romantic leads. Clark Gable. Yes. 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 He, <laughs> yes. he does not look like he is from 2023. That is correct. Uh, that also means that since it's Wednesday, we have Derek Young from K-State Online. D.Y., when you get older, do you see yourself dyeing your hair? No, not at all. I'm already getting the salt and pepper kind of look on the sides here. I think I get yeah, more compliments I'm, than I have anything. Seen- I have some gray, but a few here and there that are just kind of, you got to look for them to see them. But, uh, I mean, when that time comes, I'll probably just embrace it and and not really hide from it. Uh, My dad was completely gray before he turned 40. So I'm I'm fully expecting going gray, and I don't think I'll be the guy that, that dyes my hair. I think I can rock the silver fox look, if you know what I mean. Uh, I think no matter what color my hair is, I can rock it. I'm still going to rock the 5 o'clock shadow. And uh, plus, I think dyeing your hair, my hair grows too fast to dye my hair. I can't do it. There's no way I could keep up with it. Um, So I'll just let nature take its course. D.Y., were you very disappointed to see? Because, you know, D.Y. from Case Down the Line, but he's not just Case Down the Line. The Three Mall Podcast with John Kurtz and Cole Manbeck. He's also a part of Powercade Game Day with Cole and myself. How disappointed were you that Cole Manback did not make <laughs> one shining moment? Yeah, I put it out a pool there, and I think uh, it was my expectation that he would make it just because that was kind of a, you know, a significant snapshot that they got of him at the end of the Florida Atlantic <laughs> game that was pretty memorable, um, and it's been in a lot of other spots. So I, I thought it surely would make it. I was shocked and disappointed that it didn't, but 
we've been able to rib him enough. So uh, that would have just been more ammunition, but we didn't necessarily need it. Well, yes, he would have made it for a sad reason for us K-State fans because they got bounced in the Elite Eight. And, you know, he was the victim of CBS looking for, all right, we got Florida Atlantic celebrating. We need the sad K-State fan, and they found Cole. Yeah, he became our flute girl. Yeah, well, though, well. Here's the thing. I think if he really wanted to, if he truly wanted to be in one shiny moment, some mistakes were made. First of all, he wasn't crying and he wasn't True. doing surrender cobra, or he just didn't look shocked enough. Yes, he was sad, of course. I mean, the the final score was on the screen when you could see him and half of John's face. They're sitting next to each other behind the basket next to K State's bench. Uh, need need more sadness. If you, well, he had, he had a pretty pouty face, though. It wasn't like <laughs> tears or surrender cobra, but it looked a, like I hate to describe this because he might be listening, but it's like when a seven-year-old doesn't get his way. That's what it kind of looked like. Oh, looked all pouty. Oh, man. All pouty. Um, another thing before we, we jump into K-State basketball, Bill Self earlier today announced that he has no plans to retire. I you know, I wasn't really on Twitter a whole lot last night or this morning to you know, I didn't see if there's anything ahead of time that was hinting that he was going to announce that he was coming back for next year. Were you expecting retirement? No. Um obviously there's rumors and speculation were out there just by the nature of, of how the season ended and what his health was and being unable to coach. But I think I think Kansas even released a statement ahead of that press conference like a day or two before when they announced that it was on the docket, that it was not, you know, anything of that nature. Well, with K-State Hoops, uh, I'm sure, you know, K-State Online, of course, you guys do a phenomenal job uh, with the content you guys are pumping out day in and day out about what's going on with this program. Now we're that we have transitioned to the offseason part of it, the recruiting, the transfer portal, obviously, is now the huge part and the only part of K-State recruiting right now, trying to find the next three guys to complete the roster. And Coach Tang said on the Field of 68 podcast, you know, there's, he's looking for specific things, two guards and a center, a center that can play offense and defense, some guards and, and even the center that have a ton of experience playing over 90 games and can go get you some points. And I'm sure KSO has you know the big board. Does DY have a big board right now on – Maybe guys that are already in the transfer portal, and you know this could be a thing that is drawn out for a while. But the, of guys that are currently in the portal that you feel like K State, those are the guys that they they should really want. Yeah, I think obviously Max Asmus from Oral Roberts makes a lot of sense, and it there seems to be uh, a strong mutual interest there. So I imagine that they're a contender on that front. Um, L.J. Cryer, the obvious ties to Baylor there being um, apparent. Um, So those two kind of really jump off the board. Um, There was a report by someone from on three today um, that gave us the insight that Kansas State had made the cut to four for a Houston guard, Tremont Mark, as well. Um, And that wasn't even on my radar. I don't think he even made our big board, so that was one that kind of slipped slip through the cracks, so it'll be interesting if, if they become a factor there. They want a big, um, you know, there's been Caden Shedrick at Virginia, Kel Ware from Oregon, um, one from Kentucky just entered the portal. I, I don't think that there's a lot of guys that they're completely serious about right now. The only two I'd be comfortable saying, yeah, I think they're probably deep into conversations is probably Cryer and Smith. Yeah, Max A. Smith, who played at Oral Roberts, he has been there four years, he has a year of eligibility remaining. 
If you're not familiar with this kid, uh, boy, is this kid a shooter? Is he a scorer? I mean, he's been averaging 22 points a game the last three years uh, of yeah. his career. And it's probably important to note that his coach at Oral Roberts was a friend of Jerome Tang's, obviously, in Paul Mills. They put they coached they were assistants together at Baylor, so there's a tie there. Um, but something to keep in mind is that Mills is now the coach at Wichita State mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, and, and with this, you know, of course, it's early in the recruiting process in the portal, and you know, the, potentially, like I said earlier, a long way to go. And I don't want to dig too deep in you know what could potentially happen. You just don't know sometimes, day in and day out, on who could pop up on the radar. Guys are entering the portal every day. I think the portal's open for what another month. Is that right? It'll be open until May 11th, so um, over another month. So yeah, you got to kind of keep your ears and eyes peeled a little bit as a coaching staff to you don't want to completely handicap yourself to a point where you filled all of your spots and then someone that you really 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 love and could ultimately land enters the portal but you're unable to pursue them because you got a little too trigger happy and went and filled all your other spots up without that knowledge so I think it'll be a patient and a thorough process, but as I said, those are the two I'm comfortable with kind of understanding and that they're probably pursuing them pretty seriously, but I don't think that the list is a wide one, uh, at least not yet. We'll, we'll see how things unfold, and, and I did want to touch on and get back to the, something you opened your show up with uh, the Big 12 Big East battle thing. It's not the first year. This won't be the first year of that. Uh, remember, Kansas State did host Marquette at home. That mm-hmm. was a part of that. They, they played at Butler last year, so they're kind of going through the cycle of Big East opponents. Um, they've already played Marquette, and that's why they played at Hinkle Fieldhouse last year, and it was obviously their, I believe, their lone non-conference loss, actually. So they were set to have a home game. I thought it would be against, like, Xavier or something because they typically take the prior year's, you know, finish into consideration, and teams do the home and away, uh, you know, alternate as well. Um, so they must have reset that a little bit because probably they did add some Big 12 teams. Obviously, Houston's going to be involved with it. Um, so I wonder if that's the reason for it because Kansas was supposed to be playing a road game as well, just like UConn. So ultimately, they were on the cycle to play each other, but they still are. So I think they reset that cycle a little bit, and that's why maybe you didn't get some of the matchups that we were anticipating. But I think Villanova is still one that can uh, accrue some fun fodder and intrigue as well so obviously i knew they had been playing big east teams they were calling that though big east big 12 battle mm-hmm. yeah they had been okay. doing that for a little bit yep well excuse me then uh let me get my details straight um so let me go in this direction then to finish up you know hoops here um so i actually did kind of a whole segment on this yesterday because it was just kind of a thought i had um just based on like the boost that k-state could potentially get with its recruiting how much do you think they could get from just the team's popularity that has been generated over the last few months by being fun to watch on TV with you know what Marquise Noel did to the vibing in the locker room between games and how that went viral? I think that's why they're a popular destination right now for two of the players that I mentioned. I think a lot of that goes into it. Uh, success on the court, but also the play style, a lot of freedom. You get a, you're allowed to play with flash. Jerome Tang will support that. Um, obviously guards really can take off guards and wings. We saw that from Marquise Noel and Keontae Johnson. 
So I think it's just an appealing destination. I mean, Max Smith, you know, depending on the service, number one, number two transfer in the country and is considering Kansas State. So I think a lot of that goes into it. Exciting time. Very exciting time for K-State Hoops, even though it was just a week and a half ago that they lost in the Elite Eight. Uh, a lot to keep your head up about heading into next year. All right, when we come back, let's get into uh, some K-State football talk. We heard from the defensive coaches, including defensive coordinator Joe Klanerman. We'll get D.Y.'s thoughts on the uh, comments earlier today, especially about the depth of the defense coming up next. It's the game on KMAN. We take it to 6 o'clock, and that's when Royals pregame begins. Kansas City looking still for win number two. And uh, it just came down that Quatraro is uh, sidelined with COVID 19. Oh, wow. That is a headline you don't see too often. No. Manager out. Huh. Bench coach takes over. Well, you never know. Maybe it's one of those deals where uh, the head coach isn't available, so. The lineup just goes off. <laughs> ten hits, here we come. Oh, God. Have the Royals had a game yet where they've had ten hits? No. No. Yeah. It's been uh, it's been a little rough. The offense has been, yes, a little rough. But what do you, would you say, though? The, the I mean, the pitching hasn't, seen, hasn't been really too bad, has it? No, it hasn't. Uh, about the only flaw was the other evening when the offense did get going. It and and picked up the win. Uh, the the bullpen struggled a bit and allowed Toronto to come up with five runs after they'd been shut out uh, through the early part of the game. Well, a win tonight would mean uh, Kansas City earns at least a split in the four-game series with the Toronto Blue Jays at the K. It'll be uh, 640 first pitch from Kauffman Stadium. Again, that's the, the big difference with the schedule this year. No more 7-10s. It's now 640s. 640s. During uh, the week. Ten hits when they put up nine runs on Monday oh, night. Oh, well, that, okay. So, yeah, so we'll win. just we'll set the we'll set the over under at 10. How about that? Uh, we're back with Derek Young from KSN Online. D.Y., are the Reds doing anything yet? Ooh. Man, I, I don't even know. Cause I, <laughs> I'm, I, it's, I'm so disengaged as a Reds fan. Um, I still consider myself a Reds fan, but they give us, you know, very little reason to be engaged. And I can't even tell you what their record is. I think they won the first series of the season. I don't know about what's what has happened since. Well, let's uh, jump into K-State football here. Earlier today, we heard from Joe Klanerman, defensive coordinator and the defensive uh, position coaches. Uh, about the defense so far through spring ball got to talking about the depth I believe you actually asked about that or about the questions uh, trying to resolve in this spring I mean I guess the defense kind of reminds me a lot of what last year had heading into the spring where you felt like I think at most positions you knew who the starters would be but the depth might be a little bit in question I know there's a couple of spots open on the starting lineup for K-State heading into this uh this upcoming season, but I think you asked the question, right? Like the, the linebacker room feels like one of the best that's been at K-State since uh, Chris Kleiman has become head coach. Is there any true question marks for you about the depth of, uh, of any K-State positions on defense? Uh, Depth-wise, I believe they have the depth on the defensive front, but some of it's going to be unproven. So we, we kind of just – 
we haven't seen it. I think they have it, but it's like uh, if you have to see it to believe it, then you probably say they don't have it, right? So I think that's the question there. Uh, maybe they have a little bit on the edge just because they brought Khalid Duke back down to it, and, and obviously you bring back Nate Matlack and, and Brendan Mott. So maybe you feel a little bit better there. But like Guso Sayamalo, um, very few snaps. Damien Alalia, very few snaps. Javon Banks is a transfer that we haven't seen play. So I think they have it, but uh, we haven't seen it in action just yet. Obviously, defense, linebacker, you probably feel really good, right? You have Daniel Green. You have Austin Moore. Uh, you have Desmond Purnell. I mean, those three, it's, it's basically bringing back two starters and then another one that played a good chunk of snaps. You, you brought in a Juco that could probably play right away and, and Terry Kirksey. Um, Gavin Forche got some snaps last year. Jake Clifton got a really small amount of snaps, but um, he has you know, a very high potential. Uh, Toby Osinsami, a real high potential. Austin Romain, is a, I guess, is a freshman that might play. So uh, I think you probably feel a little bit more comfortable about the linebacker depth rather than any other place because – in the secondaries where I would be a little bit concerned, again, they might have the depth and maybe it's just unproven, but it's a guy that played wide receiver for for a lot of years. It's, it's Jacob Parrish, who has, who has played very little football. Will Lee, who's a Juca that hasn't played a bunch. Omar Daniels, a guy that's played very few snaps. Jordan Wright's only appeared in three games, very few snaps. So corner has some questions and it's safety right now because Kobe Savage is hurt or they're Right now, one of the guys probably getting reps with the ones was a corner last year, a true freshman at that, and Colby McAllister. Um, VJ Payne was a true freshman that played last year, but, you know, not a ton of snaps, and, and they're brought in a transfer from North Dakota State and Marquise Siegel. So depth-wise, I think you feel the best about the linebacker spot. You probably feel fairly well about the defensive line, but the, the questions I would have would be in the back end. Yeah, the coaches um... – Steve Standard, linebackers coach, and then you know the DC, of course, Joe Klanerman, both said uh, today's press conference that they were very surprised that Daniel Green announced that he'd be returning because he. I remember him telling us that um, it was after the Sugar Bowl. I mean, it was the it was the individual you know breakout session with, and it was like the awkward risers uh, with the small backdrops, the small sugar bowl backdrops, really awkward room. Room was really sticky, uh, the floor was. But we were asking Kale or not Kale Duke, but um, Daniel Green if he was coming back next year, and he said no, I'm going to go to the next level. And it was about a month later that um, that uh, he said that he was going to return to K-State. It's it's very interesting that you lose a couple of players on the defensive side of the football that are NFL talent. They're probably early day two talent the way it stands right now. But Daniel Green coming back makes you feel very good about the potential of this defense, doesn't it? Like him alone making that announcement really changed the trajectory of this defense? I would say it changed the trajectory of that position. Defense will, uh, you know, I still have to see more because with the game of football, the way that it is played right now, the, the, the two most important positions on that side of the ball are corner and defensive end, and you lost your star, uh, to be off both your starting corners, and you lost your your playmaker, you know, along the defensive front, and Felix Andy Uzama, and probably the most underrated defensive player in the entire league at, in nose guard and Eli Huggins. So, no, I, I'm not – quite there yet. I don't think, you know, Green's loan return really changes the trajectory because 
I, th- I think there's more important positions on defense in, in today's college football. So is, is corner right now, I, I'm kind of asking a question I asked earlier about you know the depth again, but if you were to really single it to one position with Clarence saying it's going to be by committee at corner, like that's the area that probably needs to really prove itself. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, just because it's so important to how they play defense, uh, they've been spoiled by having both Echo Boydo and Julius Brents for multiple seasons, and there's a reason why those two played 90 to 95% of the snaps the last two or three years. So a lot to replace. And, that, I mean, they have guys with really high ceilings of potential, so you shouldn't be concerned about the talent level. But at the end of the day, um, not a lot of them have played very much college football. Speaking with Derek Young from Casey Online, was there a name that was thrown out today that you heard and it surprised you when it came to Klanerman saying this person really has a shot at playing in the fall? That's a good question. Um, I'm kind of going through it here. At nose guard, no, because I think I expected the three, Uso, Javon Banks, and Damien Alolio to be the guys that would factor in. On the edge, I think we heard what Duke, Mott, Matt Lack, maybe Cheedy. Um, mm-hmm. A little bit of a surprise because Cheedy is a project, but I, I know that he's really had a good off season, so I wasn't stunned um, in that respect. Linebacker, we hear Kirksey. I, I expected that. He's a Juco guy that you had a chance to play right away. Gavin Forshay played last season. We knew Clifton and Toby are, um, have bright futures. Desmond Purnell played a good chunk last season. Austin Moore and Daniel Green are back. Um the the there is that there is a surprise at linebacker that I heard. It's probably Austin Romaine, a true yeah. freshman early enrollee from Hills, I think Hillsboro, Missouri. I want to say, <coughs> excuse me. I just thought that he would be a surefire red shirt. That if he saw any time this year, and I didn't think he would, it would be on special teams because I thought he again he was probably a guy that you know probably bakes in the oven a little bit just because a little bit of a project. He's probably the one that I would pick out for sure is yeah. Austin Roman. Yeah, he was mine too, absolutely. Everybody else that was mentioned, I don't think I was really uh, too surprised to hear their name, especially with uh, the rotating that they do on defense. All right, D.Y., that's all I got for you. I really appreciate your time. Good to see you earlier today at the press conference, and we'll see and talk to you next week. Yeah, all right, I'll be there. Derek Young from K-State Online. At Derek Young Rivals, or De- excuse me, Derek Young KSO is where you can follow uh, DY for all the latest when it comes to K State sports, football, and basketball. And KStateOnline.com is where you can find all that info. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, let's jump back to the Kansas Jayhawks. Earlier today, Bill Self making a big announcement. Plus, where are the Jayhawks right now with their roster at this portion of the offseason, off just beginning its offseason? That's coming up next. Phone number is 537-1350 if you want to call in to the game. Mitch Fortner, Troy Coverdale, Travion Berkland wearing his uh, work sweater. Boy, what a tease yesterday was with the weather. It got up to like almost 90. Mm-hmm. I think after today, though, it's supposed to – I know Trey just did the weather. Shows how much I was listening. But it's like it's supposed to warm up like into the 60s and 70s this weekend and into next week. Right, Trey? All right. 
No showers yet. I haven't seen any rain in the uh, in the forecast yet, at least for Manhattan. No, and that's something we discussed briefly this morning. We're going to get more in depth tomorrow uh, on on K Man's Morning News with uh, Chip Peterson from uh, with uh, Kansas Mesonet about Tim. where the weather is right now. Because you know, yesterday Denver got snow heavy at times. Meanwhile, off to the east of us along the Mississippi, you're seeing tornado watches and warnings today. And we're just kind of in this isolated spot. I tell you what, yesterday, Mother Nature really did K-State baseball dirty. Yes. Because we were talking about it, actually, on yesterday's show, I think we brought up the wind, and there's like, what, 30 to 40 mile power wind gusts out of the south? I'm like, what, Toyton Family Stadium, that's blowing straight out to left field. And with... The way K-State can hit dingers, right? I mean, all weekend against West Virginia, even though they lost two of three, they're still hitting a ton of home runs right before first pitch. Switched. The wind oh. goes the opposite direction. Oh. We saw all the pregame, the, the American flag, the K-State 2013 Big 12 championship flag was blasting out to left field. As the game is starting, whoop. <laughs> Over towards the Nebraska dugout, and it never changed the entire game. Pain. I was like, that is some bad luck because K-State had a ton of fly balls, ton of fly balls that died early, that died before getting to the wall because of the wind. K-State probably would have had four home runs yesterday. And I don't think they lose to Nebraska, but they did lose 6-1. to Yep, rough night at Toynton Family Stadium. The Bat-Cats are actually back in action tomorrow. It is a Thursday, Friday, Saturday series at Texas due to Easter Sunday. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's in Austin, and uh, pregame tomorrow will start at 6 o'clock, and first pitch is 6.30. Uh, also Friday, no show Friday, because we'll have both the Royals and K-State Baseball here on KMAN. Let's do something odd here on the show. Let's talk about KU for a moment. Uh, Bill Self, two days ago, it was announced by KU having a press conference, going to make an announcement. So obviously the rumors start to fly. Right. Rumors were getting around that maybe he might retire. Um, now, I agreed with D.Y. Like, I wasn't thinking retirement because, well, I think it was if if KU survived the round of 32 game against Arkansas, that Bill Self was planning to come back and he was going to try to coach. I was like, well, well, there you have it. I think, you know, he's he's sixty years old now. He took over the KU job at forty years old. He's been there twenty years. His run has been one of the best ever. I don't think he's, I don't think he'd be ready to hang it up yet at sixty years old. But he went through a major health scare. Did not coach in the Big Twelve tournament. Did not coach in the NCAA tournament. He had to have a couple of stints put in to do some clawed arteries. He had to have two put in. It's a very serious deal. But got that taken care of. You know, you're hearing reports that just Bill Self didn't look good, just didn't look like himself. He, I mean, he had a rough run there for a second. But now he's back. And he told the media earlier today from Allen Fieldhouse that, um, that some renovations for Allen Fieldhouse will take a while. Won't be done until probably next summer, so we learned that. But also he is uh, he's 100% coming back next year. He's not going anywhere. So there's your big news from KU today. Now, with that being said, it got me wondering, like, where does KU sit right now when it comes to their roster? Because obviously we talk a ton about K-State. This is a K-State sports show. 
and we know that K State has three spots. We, 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 that's very clear. Uh, unless you know Keontae was to pull a fast one, and be like, Haha, "Just kidding, guys! I'm coming back for another year." Because I think he can. Because um, I'm not the best at keeping track of all that stuff, but I believe he could come back for another year. Um, but Marquise Noel, of course, is gone, and those are two gentlemen that you know certainly have gigantic opportunities to play next year. Plus, there were also you know four other seniors. But K State has three spots to fill. KU is actually a pretty interesting case because it depends on what Jalen Wilson and, and uh, Kevin McCuller want to do. I would think Jalen Wilson's gone. He already announced it today that he's entering oh, so he his. Did it. He's putting his name in. Okay, so I missed that. So he did announce that he's. Which also, you know, it still could mean that he pulls him, his name out. He sure. can still do that. I, I, I think there's no doubt about it. He was going to at least do that to stay in there. I would imagine he would. I mean, he just won the Julius Irving Award. He was the Big 12 Player of the Year, although I do object. Um, you know, Jalen Wilson is a phenomenal player. Kevin McCuller also has that opportunity, I guess, but there is a chance he does come back. But KU pretty much just lost all their bench, even though it wasn't a very productive bench. Just oh. confirming. Okay, so that was... Uh, about was two it, hours ago. About two hours ago. Okay. I don't follow Jalen Wilson on Twitter. No, it just and happened he's to... thinking... Uh, yeah, thinking... It's thinking. No, yeah, it's no long letter, right? Correct. Like, it's just video. First of all, I, I, I was hot when I saw people criticizing Marquis Noel and him announcing that he was in, he was going to be declaring for the NBA draft. I'm like, first of all, a-holes, let him have right. his moment. Right. Did you read the letter? I think a big chunk of that, like 80% of it, was about thanking people, thanking the fans, thanking the staff, thanking those that helped him get to where he is. Not every day a person gets to announce that I, he's declaring for the NBA draft a gigantic moment in their lives so for those that criticized Marquise Noel from announcing that you guys ever change jobs I don't know if you probably shouldn't be announcing that on social media anyway I was really hot about that right but getting past that looking back at Kansas they lose pretty much their bench it wasn't the most productive bench who's coming back Dewan Harris Point guard, you have a Ford and KJ Adams, Ernest Uday, who played a little bit better at center, but I'm sure you know Bill Self would like another big man, like a bit, another big man, maybe a little bit of height. Zuby Edge of four, like other than Dewan Harris and a, I would say yes, a much improved KJ Adams. Then they're also relying on their four true freshmen that are coming in. You got four, three four stars like K State. And then one five-star. But what's important to remember here is that Kansas does not have 13 scholarships. They have 12 for this recruiting <laughs> class. They have 12, not 13. That's pretty big. Depending on Kevin McCuller, if he comes back or not, the situation KU is in is, well, are they going with two spots in the transfer portal to fill or one? If I'm doing my math correctly. Or it could be three, I guess. I guess it could be three. But it could be two, or it could be one. So, you know, KU could be pretty light on experience this next upcoming season. And I know they got a guy from Townsend coming in. Um, 
I think K-State has a phenomenal shot at beating KU when it comes to guys that get out of the transfer portal. I really do. I think K-State is playing with more popularity, playing with more promise when it comes to the pitch on who they can bring in. And, of course, a lot more passion. How long does Bill Self have? You know, that might be questionable at this time. Does he have, a, does he have five more years left in him? We don't know. But I think, I think Jerome Tang has some more ammo to play with right now. When it comes to the pitch, you have anything you want to add? You look like you wanted to. No, I would agree with you on that. I think one of the things that definitely is going to be watched closely is the continued trepidation, if you will, uh, by some to associate with that program right now. There's still a, there is still aftermath left from the Adidas mess. Whether or not punishment takes place, there's still trepidation about how that all played out. We talked at length about how this year their bench was almost non-existent through the course of the year. And I think that that's a big reason behind it is that they didn't have the ability to recruit the way that they have in the past. How does that play in the future? Now you add in Coach Self's health issues, and we know how recruiting goes. You sell your own program, but you're also making sure you <clears throat> downsell the other program. If I if I put a prediction on the trajectory of this offseason, because Jerome Tang said it that he does not want to have to put, you know, a ton of weight on the three freshmen that are coming in. Don't want to put the weight of the world on their shoulders. Hopefully some of that will be put on these very experienced transfers that he's looking to bring in. My prediction would be that K-State does do a better job in the transfer portal than KU in this offseason. And then KU will have to look at putting more pressure on their freshmen than K-State does. Just my prediction. We'll see how it plays out. And when we come back, we'll finish up hour number one. Still coming up in hour number two. Going to hear from the media interview earlier today with linebackers coach Steve Standard and his reaction to when... Daniel Green announced that he is coming back for his last year of eligibility, plus highlights from Joe Klanderman's press conference. But up next, believe it or not, somebody put $100 on every underdog money line for the NCAA tournament. How did that play out? I thought that was very interesting. That's coming up next. Back on the game, Mitch Fortner, Troy Coverdale, Travion Berklin. I know Troy's a betting guy. He bets on sports. He dabbles. He puts a dollar on these 20-leg parlays and wins about one out of 20. Yeah, that's about right. Uh, stupid Cardinals today screwed up my three-leg. Three money line. You're not supposed to bet on baseball. Yeah, I know. It's a I, fool's game. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm learning that lesson. There is a gentleman that has done this now two years in a row, and what he does is he puts on every single... I mean, every single NCAA tournament game, not just in the round of 64, even the first four games. He always bets the underdog money line. He has done it two years in a row now. So, how did he do this year? Across 67 games, he had 24 wins and 43 losses. So betting $100 on every underdog, remember, some of those are like plus 300, plus 400. I don't know what Purdue and Fairleigh Dickinson was, but I'm sure that was gigan- That was a gigantic win. Sure. This guy finished $2,000 ahead. It, it, both years that he has done this, he has finished ahead. 
This might be the new genius uh, betting strategy when it comes to the NCAA tournament. Now I don't. I can't afford a hundred bucks on every team. No. On every dog. No. Ten bucks, maybe, because you know you're going to win some of that back. Troy, I think you might need to try this next year. Considering it. Or maybe you know your style, do a dollar. Yeah. Every yeah. time on a dog, and let's see how that plays out. All right, hour two of the game coming up. Here in just a matter of moments, Steve Standard, linebackers coach. We're going to hear from him. Plus, Joe Klarnerman on K-State's defense in spring ball. It's coming up. Plus, number one song today and ask us anything. But now it's time for your local news.